well, this morning, um, I uh, have been giddy. It's been a, a wild week for me. Uh, just a, a confluence of events made it wilder than normal. And um, I have been giddy about this, though, in the preparation. So even with the wild week, I've been looking forward to uh, today and, and, and what we're kind of embarking on today um, because we are beginning, here's, let me just catch you up on, on the work God's been doing in my heart. It's really easy for me as a pastor to come up with all these ideas of what we could do in this space. And uh, we could really easily go like, oh, I want to I wanna like learn about how to forgive better. So we'll do like three weeks on forgiveness, and then we'll move on, and I want to be have really good relationships. We'll do like three or four weeks on having good relationships. And then we're going to move on and do this other thing that's three or four weeks, and then we're constantly jumping from thing to thing to thing. And uh, as a result, those are good things to talk about. Forgiveness, that's a godly thing. Having healthy relationships, that's a good and wonderful thing. You fill in the blank, those are good and wonderful things. But the work that God's been doing in my heart is just to go, no, we're today in this space. And then every time we gather in this space, we're engaging in a process of formation that's so much bigger than a three-week sermon series. and so much bigger than what we do for 30 minutes at a time. So uh, what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me is, why don't you just trust me with this and just open God's word. It doesn't have to be catchy. It doesn't have to be clever. Just open God's word. We'll discover it together. Lord willing, we know the power of this. We'll be transformed by it. We'll leave this place uh, uh, looking more like Jesus for a world that desperately needs it. And so today, uh, we arrive at the book of Acts. And as I've gone through, there's a lot of ways we could chop this up, but, uh, and here's the thing that drives me nuts. We're going we're gonna to just walk chapter by chapter through the book of Acts, um, which is, if, for those of you who are like flipping to the end of Acts, <laughs> you're probably going, that's, Jordan, that's 27 weeks. And then you flip another page and you go, that's 28 weeks. That's a long time. And I'm like, for sure, it's a long time. When we're done if, if I cut it in half and did two chapters every week, um, I guess the question then uh, is begged, what would I then preach uh, after we were done uh, being in the Bible, in the book of Acts? Am I supposed to move on to something else? Where, where are we supposed to go? So we're going to engage in Acts for a long time uh, because there's so much here. Uh, there is so much here, and I don't want us to miss anything, but I think it's a particularly poignant season of life that we find ourselves in, okay? And, and I've done a lot of talking, especially in the month of January, as we sought God to do uh, Isaiah 43, uh, Behold, I'm doing a new thing, as we sought him together. Um, I've talked a lot about Connections Journey specifically, but I think Acts is particularly poignant for where the church, bigger than just Connection, all people under the banner of Jesus find themselves at this season of life. COVID was weird, gave us an opportunity to kind of shuffle around and go, okay, what does this mean to us? What does it mean to be Jesus followers in this season of life where we kind of get a blank slate? Like, sure, there's, there's the traditions and there's the, but like, what does it look to fo- like to follow Jesus in 2023? And I think we might be in a season as the global church of redefining that. 
Like maybe it doesn't have to look like it looked for our entire lives as far as a corporate gathering. Maybe, maybe God is doing something now in this season and now is the opportunity to look at what the church was when it was starting and go, okay, what do we need to do? What are the essentials? What do we need to keep? What do we need to toss out? What do we need to start over on? And how could this look different? And so here's why uh, I want to dive into the book of Acts. Because one, I think, I think it's a perfect opportunity to look at we're a little bit in the same space. Like we, it's hard for us because we have all these memories. Like if, if you grew up in church or you've been around church for a while, uh, you might be like, well, this is what church, this is what the corporate gathering of believers is supposed to look like. Um, and I think the, the invitation being begged at this moment is to go, well, let's really re-examine that. Because the book of Acts is all about God's people trying to define, okay, we've just been transformed. We just saw this incredible work of Jesus. Jesus was put to death. He said he was going to be put to death. But then he was raised back to life. And then he ascends into heaven. And they're just trying to make sense of it. Because if you think about it logically, it's a little nonsensical. It's like, what just happened? And the church has an opportunity to go, Okay, well, Jesus is ascended. He promises the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. He promises the Holy Spirit to be with us. And now that Jesus is no longer physically present with us, but we do believe in Emmanuel, God with us, that hasn't changed. And so what does it look like? And the book of Acts is all about people trying, sometimes failing, sometimes getting it a little bit right, sometimes getting it a little bit wrong, uh, doing their best to follow God in a season where all of those things were, were being defined for them. And they were going, we're trying our best. What does this look like for us to do? So uh, here's what I want us to focus on as we engage in the book of Acts together. It would be easy for me in my heart. It would, it would do me so well for like, if we built like a timeline up here and we have a really good handle on the events of the book of Acts and we're like, well, this is where Peter kind of takes the helm. And this is where Peter kind of walks off into the sunset. And Paul kind of takes leadership of the church. And, and uh, to know, like, well, this, this uh, particular visit was to the church in Ephesus. And here's the book of Ephesians. Those are all wonderful things. And believe me, if you know anything about me, we're going to delve into some of those things. But at the end of all of this, I could honestly care Forgive my brashness. I could care less if we have a handle on the outline of the book of Acts because at the end of the day, I don't, I've said this a thousand times here even at the beginning of our time together, I don't think that's the invitation from Jesus is like understand scripture really, really well. Sure, let's understand it, but as I prayed, let's not just understand it, let's not just be listeners of it, let's be transformed by it. And so we have an opportunity here to see the story and go, what does this story mean to the, the apostles as the church was being developed and built, and what does it mean to us here today as followers of Jesus trying to be faithful to our call to build God's church? So thing number one, uh, as we... Uh, as we delve in, thing number one that's important to understand about Acts, and then we'll get to Acts. We've got to back up, and we'll get to Acts. Uh, thing number one about Acts that's important to understand is Acts is written by Luke, and for those of you following along at home, this is the same Luke that wrote the book of 
Luke. Yeah, it was a softball for you right at the beginning. This is the same Luke that wrote the book of Luke, and it was written to, I don't know, a rich patron, uh, a guy that was interested in it, a guy by the name of Theophilus, okay? We see this early on in verses 1 and 2. He says, in my former book, meaning the book of Luke, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until the day he was taken up to leave, after all the instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So he's outlining it and he's saying, listen, in my former book, what I did was I tried to outline all of the work of Jesus so you can see. Now Luke, what we're going to find about him, he's super detail-oriented. And so he's really good about providing those details and specifics of what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing. And again, I don't think this is for us to have a good grasp because guess what? We weren't there. We're never going to have 100% of the picture. But why does he write it then? He goes on to say in verses uh, 3 and 4, he says, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And so here's why we have the book of Luke, and here's how we have, why we have the book of Acts. We have it so that we can have confidence. We can have confidence from eyewitnesses to the work and the resurrection and the building of the church. Uh, the work of Jesus, the resurrection, the building of the church. We can have confidence in who Jesus is, what he did, and what he commanded us to do. And so, again, I'm not concerned for us in this space of understanding the timeline to a T. I'm not uh, looking for in this space to know every church that Paul planted or visited. Sure, those are wonderful things, but what I'm concerned with in this space, and this, you're going you're to hear me beat this drum over and over again, is for us to say, who was Jesus then? Who is Jesus now? Who was the Holy Spirit then? Who is the Holy Spirit now? Uh, because what I know about God uh, is that he does not change. And so, yeah, there might be some different methodology and there might be some different interweavings of stuff, but I just believe with all of my heart that uh, we might not find ourselves in a totally different spot than the early church found themselves. So, Acts is written to Theophilus. We have it so that we can have confidence in, in our call to follow Jesus. And the second thing is that Acts outlines the building of the church. Acts outlines the building of the church. If you go into, uh, you hang a left here, and you hang another left, just like where I told you to pick up fourth and fifth graders and all of your kids, uh, there's a conference room right over here. And uh, if you go into that conference room, um, uh, there's pictures hanging on the wall of different events in the history of Connection. And one of the pictures on that wall is the groundbreaking for Northland Christian Church, which is this building. This building wasn't built by Connection Church. This building was built by another group of believers uh, that has since vacated, and now it's our building. It's got hard time out. It's God's building. Uh, we're just stewarding it in this season. Um, but it'd be really easy for us to conflate, and I know this seems elementary, but it'd be really easy for us to conflate the building of the church to a church building. I have to, I have to stop myself with the boys all the time and how careful, because I want to set a good example um, uh, for them. And, and I, I worked with a pastor, his name was Brad, over in Columbia City, and he was so good about this. Uh, anytime the boys would come visit me at the office, they'd say, are you visiting your dad at the church building today? Um, and he was so intentional about his language to help them understand that the church is far more than the, like, like the this, the wood and the nails and the steel and the other building supplies that make up 2915 
Townway Road. And so we have Acts as a gift to us, the church, to say this is what it looked like for a group of Jesus followers to be built and to be organized and to be developed into the global movement that we have today. So, here's what I'm wanting to hone in on. I hope you know it by now. I'm wanting to hone in on, as we journey together for the next 28 weeks, what does it mean to be a faithful presence in our community, to be faithful to God's word, to be faithful to the commands of Jesus, to be faithful to God's call on our lives here in Vermilion County. I think God will be honored and God will be glorified through that journey together. So, a couple things before we get started. Um, I, I don't want to brag, but I have lots of Bibles. <laughs> like way too many Bibles. Um, and I was really hesitant to encourage us to do this. But then as Amanda and I talked about it, I was like, no, I think this would be a good thing. I'm like really protective of what goes in this Bible as far as markings or notes because this is my preaching Bible and give me, forgive me because this is a weird conversation to have in North America where we're so blessed that we can have multiple copies. I'm really protective of this because uh, like I don't ever want to be in the pulpit and see some random note in here. It's the same reason I don't preach from my like elementary school Bible because I was writing nonsense in there uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm really protective of this. And one of the gifts that I've experienced while uh, engaging in this journey is I've just picked up a journaling copy of the book of Acts. Uh, I don't care what translation you use. To make it easier to follow along, I'm, uh, I always engage with the NIV. Um, we, that's another conversation for another day. But if you want to follow along, here's what I would encourage you to do. Because guess what? As I have studied and prepared for uh, this message... I have just gone hog wild with notes and underlines and markings, and it's been a beautiful thing. It's been a really freeing sense of like, oh, this is just the book of Acts. I'm not like committing to this. So I can write questions. I can write notes. I can highlight. I can underline. I can circle stuff to be like, oh, I need to come back to that later to do some digging. And so this week in our weekly email, this was like maybe $5. I'm going to send out a link to the Amazon link, but I know there's also places you can find one. I'm going to send out an Amazon link this week to uh, this. If you want to pick one up for you, for your family, for everyone in your family, I don't care what you do. Um, it's not a mandate. But as we walk through together, we're just going to walk chapter by chapter. And uh, you got the scripture on this side, and you have a notes page on this side, which just you can, you can write, you can journal, you can do all sorts of stuff. And then I think this would be a really good resource and tool for you as, Lord willing, you engage throughout the week. There's a couple different ways you can engage throughout the week as we start this journey together. Um, number one is you can come into this space, you can hear God's word preached, um, and then you can then take whatever that focus is, and whoever's preaching, uh, you can take that and you can then follow up the following week with uh, in-depth, I'm going to really meditate on this, or... Spoiler alert for you, I don't have any anticipated stops, and I'll let you know if we do, but today we're in Acts chapter 1. Next week, we're going to be in Acts chapter Johnson. What are we going to? Three. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have asked Johnson. That's my fault. That's my fault. He's a trickster. Should have known better. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 next week. Um, 
We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 next week. Uh, so if, if you just want to say Acts chapter 1 is a wash, and I'm going to start by preparing. Thank you, dear. I'm going to start by preparing uh, for next week in Acts chapter 2. You can do that too. I'm not going to tell you how to do this. But uh, I'm looking forward to small groups engaging in Acts together and families and individuals. And I think this is going to be a transformative time. So... I think that's all the stuff I was telling uh, Sam and Jeff. I love Sundays like this where we're kicking something off and I'm excited about it. But I also hate Sundays because I feel like all my time is wasted explaining the book of Acts and we've not have very much time to get into the book of Acts. So I want to begin at the beginning. This is, uh, we've read the first few verses as far as this is what the book of Acts is, is who it was written by and this is why it was written. And uh, what we need to understand is that the book of Acts, chapter 1, is coming into context about 40 days uh, roughly post-Easter, okay? So they're, they're getting together, and they've experienced, which for me as I was studying this week was a mind-boggling thing. It seems, because it's all about the church being built, it seems so far removed from that. But they, the, the disciples are fresh on the heels, a couple of months on the heels uh, of seeing their, their leader, Someone they've grown to love and trust laying in a tomb. And they've experienced the power of the resurrection. And so here they find themselves, and they're sitting around, and I imagine uh, you don't know what you have till it's gone. And uh, Jesus the whole time was like, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be crucified. And they're like, okay, come on, Jesus. And then he's crucified, and they're like, what is happening? And then he's raised back to life, and they're like, what is happening? So I imagine they are spending every waking moment with Jesus trying to learn and discern, okay, what does it look like to follow you? And so Luke's remembering back uh, in verse 4 about a time where they're all sitting around. They're probably appreciating Jesus even more. And here in this moment, Jesus had, had very clearly, we don't see it precipitate out until a little bit later, but Jesus had very evidently begun a movement, he had begun a movement of people that uh, spans to us sitting in this room today. And this movement's about to go through a pretty dramatic shift um, because Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, return to heaven. And for the first time since he had started his ministry about three years earlier, uh, his followers are about to be left, I'm going to put this in quotes, but on their own. And so they're sitting around, and you have to believe with what they had experienced, they knew that this would change things for them, his disciples. And this is a normal transition that takes place in our everyday life. We see it with like the founder of something giving way to the next CEO. Uh, we see it in handing the family name off to your kids. We see it in handing the business over to the next generation. And I feel like I've, uh, if I'm being honest, I feel like I've lived this in a couple different ways in my life. In 2019, uh, Amanda and I made the decision uh, to take over a family business in Columbia City, where, where we just moved from. And my grandparents, about 49 years, because we celebrated the 50th anniversary under our ownership, uh, about 49 years prior, had started uh, just a small family-run flower shop. Full-service florists, funerals, weddings, TNT Floral Shop, all, all of your floral needs. Um, 
and so we, we come in as the new ownership, and God bless them. Grandma had operated the business like it was 49 years prior. When we purchased it, the profit and loss statement was on a yellow legal pad. We purchased this in 2019. This is a... Everything was very outdated. We upgraded our point-of-sale software, um, and the Teleflora was who that was through. And they come in, they send their rep, and they go, oh, we're so thankful that you're upgrading this. Um, we have about 3,000 flower shops all over the country, and you're one of five left using this old system. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and so we come in full of ideas on what it means, and we're just gung-ho, ready to go, on what it means to take this shop into the future and into the next generation. I feel like that in a lot of ways here. Uh, uh, there was a couple-year gap, but I, as I entered here, I kind of took the mantle from a beloved pastor. You guys love Kurt. You guys love Kimberly. Uh, and, and he put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into making, not, not throw the building aside, into making this body, into like developing it and trusting God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I come in a couple years removed from his departure, and, and I go, okay, what does it look like to take this, to the, take this into the next season that God's calling us into? And here's what I've learned from being the new guy in a, in a couple of occasions at the flower shop here at the church. I got a lot of ideas, just a bunch of them. A lot of you have a lot of ideas on what it looks like to take Connection Church forward. And I think Jesus knew this, and here's what he says to them. He says, on one occasion, verse 4, he was, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the business of building the church, of establishing God's kingdom, uh, of taking the good news of Jesus to our neighbors and to the nations, Jesus makes it very clear that we are to go about the business of waiting. Waiting. And this flies against all conventional wisdom because if I was to say to you, can you please gather a team of 10 people for something? Some of you who are uh, procrastinators might be like, sure, like tomorrow probably. And some of you who are type A, get it done personalities, which I'm still figuring out which of you are and which of you aren't. Uh, but some of you would have it done about 13 seconds after I ask you to do it. So to, to say, hey, I need you to go develop something. I need you to go grow something. I need you to go expand something. And, and then for Jesus to go, in order to do that, I need you to pause and I need you to wait. Flies in the conventional wisdom of their day and our day. Because to develop something, you don't sit around. But here's what I think Jesus was saying to them, and here's what I think Jesus is saying to us. In order to be God's people, representing God's kingdom here on earth, we are fully and totally and completely reliant on God for that to happen. Jesus could have given a lot of instructions. He could have said, like, okay, listen, I've given you all the earthly wisdom that I have. I've given you all the heavenly wisdom that I have. And now I need you to go build the kingdom. Now, get on after it. He could have had a commissioning service. He could have done so many different things. But instead, he goes, pause and wait. 
I think this points us back to that reality that everything falls back on God. That we're just totally dependent. We can't, if we wanted to, and I, I'm not worried about how many people call Connection Church home. What I am concerned with is taking God's kingdom and establishing it here in Vermilion County. But if we want to do that, guess what? We can't do that. How do people come unto God? Through the Holy Spirit drawing them unto him. We get to be participants through some wild stretch of the imagination that God sees us as his people and chooses to engage with us and chooses to use us. This doesn't make sense to me because I know myself. I am totally and wholly imperfect and I am undone and I'll be unfinished for the rest of my life. And some of you have seen some of those glaring imperfections and have gone like, yeah, you've been so encouraging through it, but like you've probably been like, this is the guy that we've chosen to lead us? Yeah, this is, I mean, who else are we going to choose? Another imperfect person? So we have all of these people coming together and they're all imperfect and God's chosen to use us in his plan and mission of redemption. But as a reminder that we don't get to do, it's not us Dragging people along, it's the Holy Spirit drawing them unto himself. He says, wait on the Holy Spirit. Because here's what I've learned in my time in church ministry. I could, if I wanted to today, I could ask for donations to bring in fill in the blank famous person. And, and we could put signs out all over Danville. And we could real. I, th- I think we could do it. We got some people that are connected in here. We could drum up some excitement. We could really get people jazzed about something. And then the person comes in and he says nice things or she says nice things. And people get really excited and it's wonderful. And then uh, a month goes by and you go, we're so-and-so. We're so-and-so. And then two months go by and you say, well, by the way, have you seen so-and-so? And what happened to so-and-so? slowly you kind of fade out and you go, I think they might have just been here for the spectacle. We could do so many different things to go about the business of establishing God's kingdom, but the only thing that will have a lasting impact is our reliance on Jesus. A reliance on the Holy Spirit to say, God, we are trusting you wholeheartedly with everything in us to say, we want to be used by you, God, We want to be used by you to establish your kingdom here in Vermilion County, and we're trusting that you're going to do it, but we can't do anything apart from you. We can't do anything apart from you, so we are wholeheartedly trusting in you. Here's some practical ways that this plays out in my mind. Every Monday, I uh, sit down at my desk, and I brew a cup of coffee, and I open uh, God's Word, and I say, okay, where are we headed this week? I don't want to spend the entirety of my week preparing a sermon, so I try and, I try and check that off early in the week. Um, and so I say, where are we headed? Time after time again, it is without fail, it seems, that I'll get into a passage. I've been around Scripture for a long time, so I'll come to that passage with an axe to grind with ideas and thoughts. And and here's where this passage should take us. And here's where this passage should lead. Uh, And time and time again, uh, it seems like without fail, I'll get into that passage and something else through the power of the Holy Spirit just illuminated something. Something else is like just shining out at me. 
going, this is what I want the, uh, the people of Connection Church to focus on this week. And I'm, I'm not trying to over-mystify it and over-like, again, I say it often, I don't think it's magic, but I think the Holy Spirit meets me in that moment, and, and there's a focus for us as God's people. I have a choice in that moment. I could say, time out, uh, I had things that I wanted to say about this passage, though. I had things that, like, there's some ways that, that we need to shape up around here. Let's get stuff going. No, Jesus says, wait on the Spirit. You're dependent on me. Maybe you have a, a, a wayward child or a coworker, someone that you've been trying to reach out to, that you've been trying to go, like, the hope of Jesus is for you, I promise. And you have gone in since day one, guns a-blazing with the Bible as a club. And you've gone in and you've said, I know the solution to your life, which time out. It's a little, it's a little prideful way of wording things. He said, I know how you can make your life better. And you go in and you have since day one been faithful to the commitment to, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, to witness to them. Have you paused and have you waited? Have you said, Jesus, I know you're in this situation long before I am. I know that you're working, that you're moving long before I show up. And so, Jesus, will you, will you meet them in profound and beautiful, tangible ways? Or have you taken the lead in that relationship? Say, no, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoehorn, I'm going to crowbar you into trusting and loving and following Jesus as if that could happen. This church, we are totally and holy. And uh, sometimes we're not, and so I have to say it out loud and tell, Lord willing, one day this gets cultivated in us. We are totally and holy and completely dependent on God. We're dependent on God to move forward. We're dependent on God to take the first initiative. And we're just going to join him in whatever we're doing. Like I said, we could drum up all sorts of stuff. But we are dependent on God to do what only God can do. But then that a little bit begs the question of like, what are we dependent on God for? So we're dependent on God to move and to work. But then like, to do, to do what? What are we supposed to be doing Pick up in verse 6, he says, Then he gathered them around and he asked them, Lord, uh, are you, this is his apostles, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates my father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that's what he's saying, wait for, wait for the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, into the ends of the earth. His disciples are quick to ask, now that he's uh, died on the cross, he's been resurrected, they're Israelites, so it makes sense that they would have an interest in this, and they're like, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is the thing we've been waiting on, right? And Jesus is a little bit like, uh, oh, I wish you guys could understand. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much bigger than just Israel. God's table is expansive. It's big, and we're inviting all people to it. And he says, don't worry about the end results. It's not for you to know the time or the place or the when or the how. He says, here's what I want you to do. He calls them to be witnesses. 
So he says, you need to wait on the Holy Spirit. And then when you get the go-ahead from the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which we as, as Jesus followers, as believers, have the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, when we get the call, when we uh, receive the power from the Holy Spirit, then we can go about the business of being witnesses. Now, let's keep in mind, this isn't all on us. We don't have to drum something up. We don't have to arduously go into our workplace day after day. We're receiving power from the Holy Spirit. This comes out of our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And, and he calls us to be witnesses, representatives of God's beautiful kingdom of love here on the world for all to see. Well, what are we witnesses to? Peter, one of the apostles that we're going to talk about uh, pretty expansively in our study of Acts, Peter talks about this in one of his letters. He says, For we don't follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. Eyewitnesses to his majesty. And that's the thing that we get to be witnesses about. If you're like, I don't know what to talk to other people about. I don't know how to bear witness uh, to, to who God is. All you have to do is be a transformed person. You get to see God's majesty working in and through you, and then you just bear witness to that. You just tell about what you've seen and what you've heard. You bear witness to the, the presence and the work and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. So how do we witness? Let's wrap up with this. How do we witness? If we're called to be witnesses, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, how do we go about the process of being his representatives here on the world, or here for the world. Thing number one is I think we witness with our actions. Uh, I talked about this last week, how I, I wanted to challenge and encourage us to be a faithful presence here in Vermilion County, that we like show up and we're here. So uh, the way, the first way that we, that we witness or we bear witness to uh, God's majesty and who Jesus is and his work is with our presence or our, I'm going to make up a new preacher word, I think. Our withness. Pretty good, huh? We witness with our withness, meaning our call as Jesus followers is not to go by land out in the country on the north of town or the south of town, somewhere out in a big field, and uh, develop some sort of commune where uh, we grow our own vegetables and we, uh, and we make our own food and we don't ha that way we don't have to have any exposure to the tainted outside world. Nowhere in the book of Acts do we see anything like that. But do you know what I see? And that might seem like a little bit out there. Like if you're new with us this morning, you might be going like, what did I get myself into? Are we, are we buying land? What's happening? I don't see that in the book of Acts. In fact, I see the exact opposite. But what I see, how I see this playing out a lot of times with, uh, with Jesus followers in 2022, 2023, like in modern days, is we love to separate ourselves wholly from society. And so if society is uh, doing uh, thing A, B, or C, and they're doing, celebrating some sort of hol holiday, like, you know what we do a, a lot in churches? I see it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, okay? 
know that, that we're loved. And, but we love, uh, Sam and I were talking about this. We love to take, let me put this in quote, secular holidays and like remove ourselves entirely from them, but then celebrate them still. Do you know what has come to, I think, I think it's been around longer than this, but do you know what has come, do you know what's come to vogue rather recently is like stuff like trunk or treats or Easter egg hunts or that sort of stuff. And, and when we have this opportunity to be a faithful presence and go out amongst our neighborhoods and go be God's hands and feet and witnesses here in our community, we are instead retreating and drawing a circle around ourselves. And I want to be clear, we're, everyone's done it with wonderful intentions. And, and we open up our doors wide open and say, come on, come one, come all. And, and I just, as I look at scripture, I think the invitation is to go be a witness in the world. And maybe after all, when we draw these boundary lines, maybe it's not that different than buying some land up north and living off the grid so that we don't ever have to interact with anyone who's different than us. Our call is to be a faithful presence as God's people here in our community. So we witness with our witness, with our presence in our community. We're not supposed to be wholly removed entirely. And then the other way that was super convicting as I prepared this week um, because there's this, there's this uh, um, quote that loves to get flown around Christian circles, and a lot of people attribute it to St. Francis of Assisi, um, and the quote is, preach the gospel when necessary, or preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. That's a wonderful sentiment. That's a wonderful sentiment. Um, but I think it falls short of what we see the apostles doing early on in Scripture, because for sure, they are the, the ways that they live their lives are witness. But do you know what? If I can raise my hand the highest and say, I have leaned too heavily on that in my own life. Just like, maybe if I'm kind to people, people will notice that I'm different than the world. And I think increasingly, more and more, that's a reality that we live in. There's enough unkind people that if you're just kind as a baseline, that'll, that, you'll stand out from that. But uh, I've leaned on this too heavily of like, uh, maybe if I'm just like nice and I tip my waiter well and I fill in the blanks, maybe then they'll notice that I'm a Jesus follower and they'll like come to me and they'll ask. I, can't, I just can't fathom the book of Acts without the bold declaration of God's word. And, and maybe it doesn't look like us standing on a street corner downtown, but maybe instead, here's where I've gotten tripped up in my life. I remember before people asking me, like, you just seem really calm right now. And you're like, well, yeah, God's, God's with me. I just trust him. What an opportunity to, to, to as Peter says, give a, a, like a bold defense or an explanation for the hope that is within us. So we have to be witness, we have to bear witness through our presence in our community. We can't build an isolated outcove here in this part of town. We have to be present in our community, and then we witness when our, with our words. And uh, if I can, challenge us, challenge myself uh, through this. Here's what I want us to think about as we close our time together. If you, if I, if your family, save some tragic accident, 
but just for this thought experiment, just got zapped out of your current lives and got moved halfway around the world. You got snuck in Doug's suitcase to Zambia and you just live there and you cease to exist in what your current world looks like. Here's my question. Would there be a tangible difference in those left behind? Have you carved out as a bearer of the image of God and as a bearer of the good news and as a witness for the majesty of who God is? And then you cease to exist in your life. And then those around you try and move on. Have you created such a light in dark, dark places that people would notice you're gone? Or have the ways that you have borne witness, the ways that you have shared and exemplified God's love for a hurting world, would people go like, oh, so-and-so's gone, but okay. Are you wholly different than the world around you? I said this last week. If the only thing that distinguishes us as Jesus followers are an hour and 30 minutes of church attendance on Sunday morning, we have missed the boat completely. We're just doing something entirely wrong. What would our world miss if you cease to exist? How have you borne witness to who God is? We get to join in with what God is doing and actively pushing back the darkness to establish his kingdom We get to engage in that process. I don't understand it, but we get to. So my question is, are we relying on the Holy Spirit to do it? And then when we're relying on the Holy Spirit, are we actually doing? Are we bearing witness? Or do we simply just show up here on Sunday mornings, sing some songs, hear some scripture, see some friends, and go home? If you fall into the second boat, you are always welcome here. I want you here. We love your presence. But I just think if we're going to do this, we got to do it. We have to take the commands of Jesus seriously. To be a bright light in a world that desperately needs it. Jesus, we... Just, we're dependent on you. We need you. We uh, confess that we, apart from you, we have no good thing. uh, That apart from you, uh, there's nothing we can accomplish or do. But Lord, it is through partnership with you that we get to join in with your process of reconciliation and redemption for the whole world to see. So here and now, as an act of surrender, Lord, We trust you. We say we trust you. Uh, Whatever tangible steps we can take to trust you, we want to do that. But we want to trust you with how you're working in our world. 
And God, we trust that you will move in our hearts, that you move in our lives, that you move in the lives of our, our neighbors and our friends and our family, Lord, that you're drawing all people unto yourself. And Lord, we want to be an active participant in what you're doing in our communities. So God, we love you. We surrender all of our wants, desires, and preferences to you. And we want to be transformed by your word and your spirit. So do that now. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. I ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.